Hello, and thank you for joining me again, or if this is your first time, welcome to our study of the Gospel of Matthew. We are continuing with the infancy narrative of Jesus today with Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. We're going to start with verses 1 to 6. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to express adoration to him. When King Herod heard about this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he asked them where the Christ would be born. They replied, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written through the prophet, You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are in no way least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. In his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, Father Lawrence Farley writes, In every land God has those who seek him, though he may be concealed under a variety of names, and these magi were such seekers. In the magi, God first reveals his love for the Gentiles, allowing them too to hear his voice using such methods of revelation as they would listen to, which is to say, the star. Now in the Nativity Troparion, that's the anthem for the feast, it says that by Christ's birth, those who worshipped the stars were taught by a star to worship him, to worship Christ, the Son of Righteousness. St. Justin Martyr, the early 2nd century saint, talked about the seminal logos. Everybody is made in God's image, and so there is a seed of the logos of Christ himself in all people. And so every philosophy, every religious movement has some seed of the truth in it. So even amongst these magi, these, these pagans, there was enough of the truth that when they saw the star and understood what it meant, immediately they go to find the Christ child. In Father Lawrence Farley's book, we also read that in those days, expectation was widespread of a coming golden age brought about by a mighty king. So this is what the magi are responding to. And it reminds us of what we read in Galatians. This is, in fact, the epistle reading for the Nativity Liturgy, that when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son. This means that, that everything was right. All the conditions were right, not only within Judaism, but within the broader world as well, for the coming of the Messiah. So, looking for this great king, the Magi come, and where do they start? Well, they start in Herod's court, because, of course, Herod is the king of Israel. And we're going to get to exactly what that meant in a second. This does pique Herod's interest because this means there's a challenger to his rule. This passage quotes Micah 5 verse 2, that the Messiah will come from the city of Bethlehem. But there's an interesting little inversion happening here. Father Lawrence points out, it is interesting to look carefully at Matthew's citation of this verse. Both the Hebrew text and the Greek Septuagint speak of Bethlehem as being least among the leaders of Judah. But in Matthew's citation, Bethlehem is spoken of as by no means least. So the inversion of status, the one that was the least, now becomes the greatest. Then we have the star. In the Orthodox Study Bible, we read, The star proclaims the extraordinary birth of Christ. To ancient pagans, a star signified a god, a deified king. Christ being born under this star fulfills the prophecy of Psalm 109.3, From the womb, before the morning star have I begotten you, and shows all of creation participating in the incarnation. 
So the Magi come, they talk to Herod. Herod, it says, is upset, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, St. John Chrysostom comments on this. He says, Herod was naturally afraid since he was king, and he feared both for himself and for his children. But why Jerusalem, St. John asks? From the same feeling which caused them before also to turn away from God when pouring his benefits on them, and to be mindful of the hedonism of Egypt while enjoying the great freedom of deliverance from slavery. In other words, the coming of the Savior meant that everything was going to change, and people resist change even when it's change for the good. Okay, moving on, let's go to verses 7 to 12. Then Herod privately called the wise men and learned from them exactly what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word, so that I also may come and express adoration to him. And after listening to the king, they continued on their journey, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east was going ahead of them, until it came and stood over the place where the young child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with tremendous joy. Entering the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and expressed adoration to him. Opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But having been warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they returned to their own country using another way. So Herod asks, the Magi to, to let him know where the child is, but not so that he can honor him, so that he can get rid of him. And St. John Chrysostom, regarding verse 8, points out that Herod calls him just the child and not the young king, because Herod just cannot bring himself to use that title for anyone else in Jerusalem. But what we need to understand here is that Herod is only a, an appointee of the Roman government. Remember, uh, Palestine is under Roman occupation at this time, so Herod is only a king in name only. He is a puppet of the Roman regime. So really what he's afraid of here, of the power he's losing, it's not real. It's just theater. But he is so concerned with his self, with his ego, so he tells the Magi, help me to find where the child is so that I can go and adore him. That's a lie. He's got a whole other plan in mind. Guided by a star. So Whatever this star was, some kind of astronomical event, they are led to this house in Jerusalem. Now, it's likely that this was not immediately after the birth of Jesus, but probably some months later. That's why Herod's order to kill any male child, which we're going to read about a little bit later, uh, two years and under, because there's, there's a time frame here. It's not that exact. The time duration in events in the Gospels is not always that clear. It could be immediately, it could be an hour later, a day, a week, a month. We really don't know. The Orthodox Study Bible says this, Whereas the Jewish shepherds worshipped the Savior in the cave on the day he was born, the Gentile Magi came to worship him sometime later. By then Joseph and Mary had found a house in which to dwell. This indicates that Christ first came to the Jews and then afterward was worshipped by the Gentiles. So the Magi come into the house, and falling down, they worship him. They offer Jesus the gifts of gold and myrrh and frankincense. And all of these have very important symbolic value. Gold is gift fit for a king. Myrrh is a burial ointment. So it reminds us that the whole point of Christ being born is to die for his people. If you look at the, the swaddling clothes in an Orthodox icon of the Nativity, 
they parallel exactly the burial shroud that he's wrapped in after his crucifixion. And this is intentional because it points us to this. Uh, Father Thomas Hopkins said that Jesus Christ is the only person ever whose purpose in life was to be born in order to die. And then frankincense, incense. Incense is a gift offered to God. So gold, myrrh, and frankincense, a gift to a king, to a king who will die for his people, and to a king who is not just a human being, but who is the incarnate God himself. And finally, as their visit to the Christ child is drawn to a close, they are warned in a dream about Herod's real intentions, and they return home taking a different route. Herod is not happy with this, and his reaction is, is horrific. That we'll look at next time. For now, though, let's leave it at verse 12. And again, through Luke and Matthew's accounts together, we see how the entire world comes to adore, to worship the newborn Christ. First, the shepherds, who are Jews, and then after them, the Magi, who are these pagan Gentiles. And again, it's this reminder, just like we saw in the genealogy, that Jesus, the Messiah, is the Messiah of all of us. Everybody has the opportunity of salvation through the birth of our Lord and God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God. Until next time, take care and God bless.